0: Hello and welcome to episode 1552, a Permabyte from the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann, a listener-supported program. My guest for this episode is David Casey, the Chief Visionary Officer of Numundo, a platform that recently launched to connect people interested in permaculture and sustainability with locations around the world, where you can visit and learn about these practices from people who are living them. This episode is the first in a series on creating and running a business aligned with permaculture. I started with David because his platform is just launching after a year of laying a good foundation, and his thoughts here provide some insight into ways to create your own space to build and grow an entrepreneur-driven career from your own unique experience. But you can hear more about that from him. So on with David Casey. Then David, if you could give us a bit of your biography and background, how you came to do what you were doing, and we can take the conversation from there.
1: All right, thanks so much, Scott, first of all, for inviting me to be on the show and share. Um, my name is David Casey. I am a founder of New Mundo, which is a platform to connect people to, really to themselves and to reconnect with the Earth and nature, and to find experiences that help them do that. And the way that I came about to be where I am today, um, I started as a university student in Berkeley. Um, studying the systems, economic and political systems that the world operates under and deciding that I was really interested in in learning about different systems than the dominant ones. And so after I graduated, I went and um, lived in all different sorts of systems. Um, I lived in indigenous communities in Guatemala and Ecuador. I lived in intentional communities and eco-villages in Mexico, uh, Nicaragua, Costa Rica. And I just visited and experienced as much uh, as I could in different experiments, um, different ways of sustainable and regenerative living, um, like small scale experiments of what a different system could look like. And I learned as much as I could. Um, I discovered that these kinds of places were difficult to find. And when I found them. Um, they often weren't as described. Um, so the reputation, it, there wasn't so much transparency in this kind of um, alternative movement. I got by by doing a lot of work trading, um, helping people with their events and um, workshops and retreats. I even ran a farm of my own and managed an international volunteer program for a couple years and taught English, worked with the. Uh, Indigenous women's cooperative um, producing clothing and then selling it in the north and a few other things. Tried a lot of stuff. Eventually, something interesting started happening, which was that many people that I met along my travels started to reach out to me, people that maybe I'd only met once and that sometimes I didn't remember. Like Years, years later, they'd reach out to me and, and ask me, hey, I'm, like, I'm traveling in Thailand or Brazil and I'm looking for such such and such experience, um, a permaculture farm, maybe you can help me find one. And I'm like, well, let's see, I've never been to Thailand before. So (laughs) I don't know, maybe I think I know someone there. Um, But after hundreds of these kinds of contacts started coming in, and sometimes people that I didn't know, but people that had heard about me from other people that I'd met during my travels, eventually started thinking, maybe I need to build some kind of tool that can automate this process. So I'm not responding to all these people individually. And that's kind of how the idea came about to build a platform, which today is the New Mundo platform.
0: You took all those personal explorations and searching for experiences and having built networks through some very personal connections in order to kind of find something that people were looking for because of the contacts you were getting and then used all of that then to build a way for people to readily find these things rather than having to search in the ways that you did when you were first starting out.
1: Exactly. So as the entrepreneurial explanation goes, I solved my own problem, right? I found something in the world that, or I didn't find it, and I figured out how I could solve it by building a tool that would let other people like me not experience the same pains that I did. And um, along my way, I started to meet other people that were also passionate about building such a platform. And that's the story of meeting different co-founders um, along the way, along my travels. And we built up a team over the last couple of years that's a really, a really incredible team of passionate changemakers, um, including one that, Taylor, that you've worked with.
0: What are the roles for yourself and the various co-founders in creating Numundo?
1: As a small organization, we, we all wear a lot of hats. And then again, each of us is specialized in a, in a different skill set. So we have, we have a user experience and graphic designer we have a couple uh, software engineers, web developers, a couple people that are in social media and marketing, and then I kind of do the uh, broad overview entrepreneur hat, so business modeling and kind of general, general team building and management and making sure that the team operates uh, cohesively.
0: With all that need for information, how are you populating the site and what are you building to connect people to these experiences? Is that something that's directed by the organization or is it user generated?
1: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a two-way process. Um, A lot of the first uh, locations in our network are definitely personal connections of the founders and within our kind of closer personal network, places that we've actually been to that we really trust and One of the places that uh, I believe Josh from Verde down in Costa Rica was on this podcast before. And um, places like that, that we have a pretty close relationship with, was the first cohort. And now we're starting to reach out and solicit registrations, basically people to um, make themselves visible and register. And um, of course, coming with that is a filtration process. And we're starting to develop a way to authenticate different locations and determine whether they are actually places we want to list and we want people to know about and to send people to. Eventually, we're currently um, in the process of building a review function, which will be key in making basically giving the users a tool to identify for each other which places are worth going to and beyond that, what are the characteristics of each place.
0: So that authentication and user review provides a way to vet each of these locations so that anyone who wants to go there doesn't run into what you were encountering, where the experience was sold one way, but what you actually received was another?
1: Correct. As well as um, vice versa. I, as a farm manager, experienced the pains of people coming and me having a different experience with those people than, um, than the information they provided and the impression that they gave me before they came. So we're also building um, individual profiles. You can um, loosely relate it to something like LinkedIn, where you have a, the two-way transparency so that the, the hosts, um, the people that manage these farms, retreat centers, and communities can actually see independently vetted reviews of who's coming before they actually arrive.
0: So that operates similar to ride-sharing organizations that allow drivers to review their passengers?
1: Right. So the sharing economy, websites, um, reputation, trail is what I've heard it described as.
0: What you shared there has been one of the conversations within permaculture because of how very often, with the long path that we take to get from our beginnings, it's still a lot of handshakes and recommendations on, you know, who do you know and who do you trust? I... I think there's something to be said for the community at large, in this niche in particular, to have something like this, in order to be able to share experiences in a way that are bi-directional, and provide more information on the experiences, the knowledge and information of not only the hosts, but also the people coming to a site. Mm -hmm. With what you're listing in these experiences, what kind of opportunities could users of Numundo be able to locate? Something like woofing or... Are there other opportunities
1: available? Okay, so yeah, great question. Definitely, the kind of typical woofing experience is one of the experiences that people can find in our platform. We have we are not limiting ourselves to like full work trade um, with no money exchanged. We're open to money being exchanged um, on either side. So there could be uh, an apprenticeship or a course or a workshop or a retreat. where where the student is getting a a valuable educational experience that they're paying for. And on the other side, there could be um, a skilled um, solar engineer or architect that works with natural materials actually um, finding paid work through the platform as well. So there could be any any of those experiences from, yeah, apprenticeship, internship, course, workshop, retreat, volunteer and full work trade, or uh, skilled work placement.
0: Are there any fees associated for users or hosts to be listed on the site?
1: Great question. So at the moment, we are experimenting with uh, revenue models. At the moment, we don't have one. So there are no fees on either side. We want to basically scale this platform around the world so we can have the largest impact that we can. And so in order to do that, we need to figure out a way to pay our team. Um, So the main model that we'll be experimenting with is a... Premium subscription for the hosts, um, so an advanced profile where the the basic profile to list is free, and then the advanced profile will include nice marketing features and some administrative help and just different features that are nice and attractive to make it really almost like uh, obvious for the hosts to, that that they see the value. And then the other model that we'll be experimenting with is the traditional Airbnb model of a commission on each transaction made through the platform.
0: With that premium service for hosts, and I understand this is something you are experimenting with as you move forward, but are you looking at those marketing tools to allow things like email campaigns so that hosts can stay in touch with visitors directly through your platform?
1: Yeah, so something that we are really interested in doing is helping, um, really helping match people to exactly the right experience. And so part of this will be um, helping hosts reach exactly the right demographic Of people that they want to attract to their spaces. And so yeah, part of that will be helping the host find the right people. Um, And a part of that will be just more features on the profile, such as um, video capability.
0: This is one of the other ongoing conversations among many that I'm having, and why I wanted to have you on is this bridge you're forming between sustainable experiences and doing so in a high-tech way with information technology and all these modern resources to connect people. In doing so, what have been some of the challenges in bringing things on board and working through and deciding on which monetary models you're going to develop and try? I ask because many people I know, myself included, don't necessarily have the entrepreneurial or business background to answer some of these questions from the get-go, and so we wind up working through an ever-evolving process. What have been some of your experiences?
1: Um, And I am one of those people in that evolution (laughs) from an idea to the implementation to finding the business model that will actually help the implementation because our intention from the beginning was to connect people to experiences that are life-changing, not to make money. So we're trying to figure out that part now retroactively. And one of the funny things about building a platform that we are seeking to change the dominant system or connect people to alternative political and economic systems and experiments where there isn't so much monetary exchange happening that it's really difficult to monetize on something that where where the values and the flows of capital that are going back and forth are mostly non-monetary. So we've kind of built ourselves into an interesting um, predicament here. So, yeah, I would say... We're looking at different models that exist, different platforms that are currently operating in the high tech community, uh, not necessarily related to permaculture, just successful business models, period, and looking at which ones apply to what we're doing. And um, one of the things that we're learning is that people really just don't like to pay for things anymore. Everything is like information is free and there's more of it than you can possibly Consume in your life now. And so we're looking at how to build a tool that's essentially free for most people and yet figure out where we can take financial value from it and convert that into revenue and convert that into continuing to build out our platform and scale our impact.
0: What you just outlined there is similar to many podcasters I know, myself included, and is similar to that business and entrepreneurial piece in that we started something with a passion. And that are kind of coming in after we've developed something so far and are trying to figure out how to step from that free kind of hobby approach to that of a paid professional. Another reason I wanted to have you on is because of the parallels between what you are doing and so many other projects I've been a part of or talked with others about. My understanding is that you're running a crowdfunding campaign to launch from where you are now. And I'm interested in following that because of how that can be a tool for others to transition a project and move it forward out of that hobby or just interest realm to a career or a profession.
1: We are um, in the midst of our launch and with our public launch, we decided to launch a crowdfunding campaign to really get the word out about what we're doing and in a way test and validate what we're doing by seeing if there is a community of supportive people um, around the world who really want to see this platform happen and continue to happen. And we are we have been building it for more than a year now and we'll continue to build it and have found really interesting ways of continuing to grow our team and, and help direct energy towards the project without money. And so we'll keep doing that now and beyond when the campaign finishes. Um, one of the cool things that we figured out kind of by accident Um, when we were participating in a business accelerator in Chile earlier this year, was that someone contacted us um, looking for work trade experiences through our platform. And they were a web developer and um, graphic designer. So we invited them to do a work trade experience with us in Chile. And uh, the guy came, Lucas is his name, and he has a beautiful project called Good Things Everywhere. And he goes around trading his work as a skilled high-tech worker. And he he did that with us. And so we're like, okay, how about we design an experience intentionally that we can attract that kind of skilled person and um, rather than doing what we are not able to afford, which is paying a web developer $10,000, $15,000 each month, we're designing an experience that uh, this is part of what we're crowdfunding for is basically having a work retreat in Costa Rica, where the costs of living are lower, and people really just want to go there, and then inviting really talented developers, including our team, to work out of Costa Rica, out of a permaculture farm for a couple months, really be immersed in the actual life of the traveler, the life of the user. So our developers will really be in the shoes of the traveler, be in the shoes of the, the student, the, the apprentice and the volunteer, and really develop the platform with that kind of firsthand experience and feedback coming in all the time. And at the same time, we'll be able to do something that high tech startups with larger budgets wouldn't be able to do, which is really um, incentivize a team of passionate people to to continue to build the next features of the platform with very little financial resources. And the next features that we're building through this retreat are, are the reviews I talked about. So In independent third-party information about the centers can become more transparent as well as um, individual profiles and then opportunity profiles. So opportunities are like specific experiences that you can have when you visit a place. Right now, we just have the profiles of the hosts of the locations.
0: I'll certainly be interested in following your project and how this goes. And maybe we can do some reports from South America. Well, from you calling me from South America when you're down there and working on building these next features. As this was set up as a shorter-than-usual interview, we are running out of time, but I would like to open the floor if you have any final thoughts for the listeners.
1: One final thought, I wanted to mention the kind of larger vision and the fractal nature of what we're building. Really, our intention is to create a tool that transforms individuals one at a time and pieces of land one at a time and creates a network of support that can really help replicate that process um, so that more and more lives can be transformed and more and more pieces of land can be regenerated and that with each life that's transformed, that person has the capacity to go somewhere else and create another impact center is the term that we're using for these pieces of land that are um, regenerating the earth and regenerating individuals. And the big vision is to have a decentralized learning network of people and projects all over the earth that can share resources, share templates, share models, share skilled individuals, so that we can really accelerate the process of planetary regeneration.
0: It's a beautiful vision that I look forward to participating in as this project and the others that you build grow and move forward. Thank you very much, David, for taking the time and carving it out of your schedule to make this happen. I'm really excited about the opportunities that you're creating and what others can learn from this process. Thank you, Scott. And that was David Casey. If you are a host who wants to register your site with his platform or a traveler interested in these opportunities, the website is numundo.org. At that website and in the show notes for this episode, you'll also find a link to the crowdfunding campaign David mentioned in our conversation today. If you have a business that involves the ethics of permaculture or are interested in starting one and have some questions, I'd love to hear from you. Get in touch. Call 717-827-6266 or email show at permaculturepodcast.com. You can also send something in the mail if you'd like. That address is The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. From here, the next episode is an interview with Jeremy Zimmerman on how to make mead like a Viking. After that, a permabite with Ethan Hughes, where he joins me to talk about moving Christmas towards a less consumption-driven holiday by creating new traditions. After that is the last new interview of the year with Taj Shakluna, the Permapixie. Until the next time, spend each day creating the world you want to live in by taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.